0: On Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. And you're in the Transporter Room. This week, Scott Turner, Schofield, actor, activist, Star Trek fan. Oh my goodness, we have so much to talk about. But Carly. Needless to say, fangirling to fangirling on this (laughs) one. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I warned him you would be. But you know, in the news, Carly, I've been seeing that. It looks like there might be a new president next month. It looks like Trump is finally seeing the light. Can you believe it? Yeah, I know, it? I know the person that that eighty million people
1: voted for, who <laughs> won, who won the election. But you know, the you know there are certain people who, certain people who still want to cling on to the idea that there's a second Trump turn coming. Well, I think finally they're getting the message that we're just not. We never were that into you.
0: <laughs> and it's time for you to go. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I had a, uh, a story uh, that is uh, from yesterday, with World AIDS Day, in which I talked to some uh, athletes who are living with HIV. And I'd like to dedicate this week's show to those people who, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they might have thought it was a death sentence. And it's not. Not now. Now people live with AIDS. and they have relationships, and they can have jobs, and people need to erase the stigma. And I'm really, really glad that those people shared that story with me so I could share it without sports readers. What have you been working on this week, Carly? Well,
1: um, this week, the thing I was working on actually happened on Thanksgiving morning. It's a tradition up here, why I live in Central Connecticut. It was a small bowling tournament, uh, but there was one... Participant in particular, a woman named Christine Rebstock was participating in the tournament. Uh, Christine is a person who I know who I know well. Uh, she is something of a local legend when it comes to bowling, not just in the state of Connecticut but also in the region. She's a member of four Hall of Fames in the region. She has 14 career New England Bowling Association tournament victories to her credit. Now, now Neva. Bowling is considered... That's the New invited. England Bowling Association? Yeah, the New England Bowling Association's um, tournament slate is considered is considered just a step below the PB the professional bowlers tour. That's how good the talent level and the competition is. PBA touring pros have come from it. And Christine, for a period, was, and still is, in many ways, considered one of the best. She's a, she was in the inaugural class of the Naval Hall of Fame. Two weeks ago, she came out as trans. Two weeks ago, she came out publicly in a very heartfelt uh, message on her social media. There are some things I've known her for about three years, and there are certain things I didn't know. Reading that coming out note and hearing that she was going to play in a tournament a couple weeks later, I got in touch with her and said, hey, I'd like to be there and support you, but I'd also like to do a story. I went into tears writing it. There are points when I was pounding it out Saturday and Sunday where I, I felt I went into tears writing it.
0: Well, your your hard work shows and I know Christine just barely, but we became Facebook friends after uh, we published her story. And um, let's just say she's evidence proof that courage is contagious.
1: Yes, it is. And I mean, that's what, that's what it's all about. I mean, also the story you were just talking about, um, I've had first hand knowledge of that stigma. I've had first hand knowledge of of growing beyond that stigma. I've had someone very close to me in my family live with HIV for over 20 years. And when I first found out about them, I had a lot of there was a lot of reeducation that had to go in place because so much of my so much of my knowledge was outdated. And I still think still even with the miles that we have I think still a lot of society when it comes to HIV AIDS is still kind of stuck about 1990.
0: I lost two family members to AIDS. um, One through uh, needle exchange and one through sex. And uh, I'm pretty sure that both families, my uncle and my cousin, I'd say both of them are still in denial and don't want to talk about it. And it's not my place to talk for them, but the stigma exists because people won't talk about it, and the gentlemen that I spoke to are living proof you can live with AIDS. So, um, oh, yesterday's story: Rainbow Laces. Tell us about Rainbow Laces.
1: Well, Rainbow Laces, the it kicked off on actually kicked off on Thanksgiving. The the annual in the stand UK that was
0: just Thursday. Yeah, it
1: was just Thursday, <laughs> Thursday, <laughs> November twenty sixth in the UK. Stonewall UK. Uh, is running this is the fifth year of the rainbow laces campaign and the idea is to just is to create awareness and to create discussion and also create visibility and give people an opportunity they said this year especially given all the things that happened in 2020 and how they affected lgbtq communities we needed we need now more than ever it's time to to put shine a light on allyship shine a light on coming together and visibility So, in addition to the rainbow shoelaces that clubs and teams and individual athletes are going to be donning, there's an expanded set of laces now. They're trans laces, bi laces, lesbian laces, pan laces, non-binary laces, and a and ace laces this year. Wow! And I will say, I've ordered a group of trans and lesbian laces laces for myself. So, I mean. Stonewall, I mean, it's stonewall.org.uk if you want to order your own. And,
0: the, the and, and I'll tell story. you. So just go to outsports.com.
1: It's a great campaign. And recently Stonewall did a poll of sports fans in the UK where 65% of sports fans polled said that anti-LGBTQ language used at a live sporting event should be challenged Absolutely. by other fans. I, and it's good to see that people are starting to get stand up. that type of awareness are starting to get up, stand up, stand up
0: for everybody's rights. That's right. Well, you know, someone who stood up for everyone, I met this gentleman in 2015. And one of the first things we worked on together was a meme during the bathroom bill era. Remember North Carolina? Remember HB2? And yep. he asked me to make a meme and basically said the following. I'm not quoting it exactly, but. Relax, you've already peed next to a trans person and you were fine. <laughs> so let's set coordinates for Los Angeles, Hollywood, California, Scott Turner, Cofield, team on up to the trans room. Am I there yet?
2: Am I there yeah, yet? you're here. Hello? <laughs> you got all his molecules
1: right, right? <laughs> They're <laughs> all in the right place.
2: To check check sure the of important
0: parts of where they should be.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Scott, welcome to the transporter room.
2: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, because she's a fan girl, and because I had the pleasure of both meeting you in person and talking to you over the years, I'm going to give Harley first question. Well, well, Scott, right out of the gate, I want right
1: of the gate. I want to know what's. What's the big thing you're working? What's next for you? Because you've had a decorated career, Emmy nominations, you've broken so many ground so much ground in so many areas. You've helped make the world safer for a lot of us across our trans community. But now this next there's
0: a big thing you've got coming up. And I think I want to start right with that. Well, oh, but but don't forget, you've also made millions of Americans cry by being in a soap opera.
1: We're getting to that. Trust me, we're getting to
2: that. <laughs> oh well, thank you. That's so sweet. Um, it means it means a lot to be seen for the work that I do. So thank you. It, it, it's, okay Hang on, oh, sorry. 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 I think I'm also the reason why you have that dog.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, funnily okay. enough, Dalia. Dalia, relax. It's
2: okay. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being a good alarm <laughs> system. You were going to tell us about uh, your work.
2: Sure. Well, so the next big thing that I have coming up, we are so close to having my one man show special get out into the world. It's called Becoming a Man and 127 Easy Steps. And we are almost complete. We are less than $10,000 away from being complete. We have an offer for distribution. It's like all just about ready to happen. So, um, we're just, we're just working, working away, getting that ready. Um, and that's a, that, that show started out as a live one-man show that I started touring back in 2007, if you can believe it. I can't. Um, and uh, uh, Andrea James, who's an amazing transgender oh, director. That. Yeah. She uh, came up to me also in 2015. So 2015 was my year of like meeting the power fems, met Don Ennis <laughs> and Andrea James, Um and uh we were at outfast and she said hey i i've seen your live show would you ever consider making it into a one-man show special and she uh directed the uh comedy special alec Mappa baby daddy which was okay. on showtime great show um so you know she knows what she's talking about and uh it took us a while but we we've we were, we put it together and we're almost finished and we're we're ready to go. We've had some really great success. We were at we, we sent different cuts of it to Tribeca and to Outfest this year. Um, and since people are all watching everything, um, it got some really nice response. And I just can't wait. You know, the, the whole thing about it has been, I've been touring the show for 13 years. And, you know, it's everybody who can pay for the ticket and get to the show and have those, you know, hour and a half to sit in a theater with people and now it can be on some kid's cell phone who is, you know, looking for someone like him. Um, And I just can't wait for that to happen. (laughs) So that's my next big thing.
0: How do you squeeze 127 steps into a 90 minute movie? I mean, you already have a stage show, but it's gotta be different, right? Are there things that you have to like sort of say, oh, that's gonna end up on the cutting room floor?
2: Well, actually, so we thought about it. We were like, "What if? Okay, if we were going to make 127 steps, like, what would that be?" And it it turned out it would be like a five and a half hour long movie. And there are people who do that to their audience, but I'm not one of them. Um, so actually, what's cool, you know, when we think about, you know, people speaking with their authentic voices, we realized in kind of going through all of the steps, there were some that really needed to be told in film, right? And some that it was like very important that you hear it, but not necessarily that you watch it. And then some that were just so good on the page that you could read it and really enjoy it that way. And so what actually this is going to end up being is a film, a podcast, and a book. And you will sort of, (laughs) the phrase choose your own adventure is cruelly copyrighted but uh but you will pick your own path uh through (laughs) through the stories um and you know you can you can spend as much or as little time as you want with it and I, i love that because it's like you know speaking with the most authentic voice right and and i like the idea of picking your own path which for so many of us you know it doesn't matter how you transition or in what ways Uh, you're always picking your own path. And um, so it's like really kind of inviting people into that.
1: That's one thing I know about the show is that, you know, in the live show, people call out a number and that's where you start.
2: Yeah. So people will call out one to 127. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Before we started, before we started recording the podcast, I looked at the trailer and I have a feeling this is going to be one cracking show. I've heard about the live show. I've never gotten a chance to see it. Um.
0: For, and now you can. Well,
1: Jeez, you can exactly. <laughs> Another thing is one thing you you're definitely known for besides being a performer is being a consultant. Uh, for example, when Euphoria wanted to make sure they got it right, they called you. Uh, even back five years ago, when Bold and the Beautiful wanted to make sure they got it right, they called you. And I'll fully and full disclosure, I've been I've been binge watching that entire season of 2015 for the last three or four days. Oh, I was a good season. I'll, I will admit to it. I mean, how much? I mean, as much I, I'm sure you enjoy performing. What? How much does consulting mean to you? It seems to me it may mean a little bit more than even actually being in front of a camera, being on
2: that stage for you. Well, you know, actually, all I've ever wanted to be was an actor really and i just you know when i was graduating from college and looking out at the world there were no roles for people like me and there was not going to be any and so i realized that i was going to have to help change the world a little bit before i could get to my dream and so that's why i started consulting um it's also why I did one-man shows because I couldn't get in anybody else's play or anybody else's movie or TV show. So I I had to tell my story that badly that I just made my own work. Um, you know I, I would have absolutely preferred to just be swept up and given roles and been able, you know, been able to to show my talents that I really worked hard to to hone. Um, but yeah, over you know, at the same time being able to participate in growth, whether that's another person's personal growth around the conversation of trans issues, or whether that's a company's growth around, um, you know, how do they be more inclusive and inviting to transgender workers, or to uh, a series like Euphoria or a movie like The Craft, you know, how do they do something more artistically interesting than the same nonsense that we've all been bored to death by, literally bored to death by, uh, for the last 100 years of film. Thank you, Disclosure, for pointing that out, right? Um, Yeah, that it means a great deal to me. It's an honor and a huge blessing to be able to to do that work. But would I rather be acting? Yes, I would rather just be an actor. (laughs) No. In if, but staying
1: with the consulting for a second, how much has changed from, for example, the time you were on Bold and the Beautiful to now?
2: Oh my goodness. What is the
1: landscape now compared to then?
2: Oh, I mean, night and day. And this is something, look, we always have work to do. We, w- this is, I think. A record breaking year for deaths of transgender women, most of whom are transgender women of color. Like, obviously, we have work to do, and that doesn't stop. And also, I think, some, you know, I think when we focus on our tragedies, it can demoralize us. And goodness knows we're a, a community that deals with depression and suicidality a lot. So, the thing that I always want to say to people is like, yes, we have to fight like hell, right? Um, and also, I could take everybody I educated in my consulting work starting in 2002, I could add them all up to 2015. Then I could take everybody that I worked with starting in 2015 until now, people who actually care, who actually like really wanna get this right, cis people with power who are actually truly invested in telling our stories well, in making sure that their cultures are inclusive, And since 2015, it is exponentially more than all of the people from 2002 to 2015 that I ever worked with before. It's unbelievable. It's exciting. So I have been really given the blessing of being able to witness cultural change happen through my work. It's not to say that I'm making the cultural change. I'm just saying people are showing up to it now. And we can't forget that. Like We have to be able to hold both things at the same time. And let it let that fuel us because our work really does work, you know. So, if you were to give
0: advice on a podcast about following in your footsteps, both transitioning and the wonderful career you've had, acting, advocacy, being someone who is a role model, let's not, you know, deny it. You are a role model for so many young trans boys and young men who see you and say, God, I could do that. Could I do that? How could they do that? Scott, tell Hmm. us what you would recommend to someone who sees you and says, that's what I wanna do.
2: Well, first of all, I mean, I'm not special, honestly. Look i mean I, I i joke i i'm I'm working on my wording about myself, but like my my joke is always like I'm an idiot, anybody can do this you know <laughs> and it's like if you if you were in my when you see becoming a man, there are so many stories about like me just bumbling through things um you know like really truly, I'm a very like humble human, do you know what I mean, and what it was was that you know i i just really had the sense that i could contribute and i just took the initiative and did it and i have to say one of the things that has also really changed just in the last few years probably since 20 really probably 2016 i, w- I would say the presidential election really really shook some people into realizing the power of their own voices um you know I, i'm i'm getting ready to really stop doing trans 101s because I don't need to do it anymore. There are so many young people who are out there who are just nailing it and who are pushing conversation forward even further. Um, you know, those voices are so valuable, really recognizing intersectionality and the work of, of diversity that has been left undone. And I don't need to do that work anymore. They can do it. They can pick up the baton and do it. And so I just say, look, if, if it's your burning desire to do this, Listen to that. That is, that is who you really are. That is your higher self. Just in the same way as as the the piece of you, if you're trans or non-binary and you're listening and you know, that little voice inside of you that was like, hey, you're a boy or you're a girl or you're not either of those things, right? That is your it's not a little voice. That's your higher self. It's actually a big deal. And when that voice says to you, hey, you should speak up on this, that's also your higher self. And so I would just say, listen to that. And, you know, I I will also say my path has not been easy. I probably could have graduated from my very fancy university and decided to go work for a bank and I could be very well off and very comfortable and, you know, happy in those ways right now. I probably could have done that. And instead I've, worked for very little thanks and appreciation. In, in fact, I've had to deal with most people's like resistance and transphobia for a long time. You know, it's 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 going on 20 years that I've been doing this work. And you know, so I just want to say it hasn't been easy. It's never going to be easy. But it is 100% worth it. I do know that if I died tomorrow, I would be completely satisfied with what I have contributed during my time here on earth. And, you know, that's a gift.
0: Well, please don't do that.
2: I mean, I probably won't. Let's hope. <laughs> okay, good.
0: Let's all hope you say, oh, I'm alive. I'm awake in the morning. That's my favorite thing is waking up.
2: <laughs> well, I do. I coach people now. and And when I work with folks, you know, when I coach them and I say they want to do speaking, you know, they want to be a speaker for their business, for their, you know. And I just have to say, like, it would be irresponsible of me to tell you that this is going to be like a lucrative career for you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it will be powerful and meaningful. You know, powerful and meaningful. I'm going to tell you
1: something. This might make you a little red face, but I'm going to say it anyway. The first time, the first time I saw you was actually back in 2015. At the and. There was an egg in Connecticut sitting in her apartment watching you putting it all in Ridge, For- Ridge Forrester's face. Huh? Join the 20th. Tw- Your exact words were, that's against the law. You too can join the 21st century. 21st century. century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, How much of line. that? But that role, you're playing a mentor to the Maya, to Maya, Avon, now Maya Avon Forster character, you ended up even later in the season performing their wedding. First thing about that was how much Trans 101 was involved in building that sequence and looking back on it, how important was that? And in a sense, how important was Maya Avon to the bigger picture?
2: Sure. Gosh, well, so so that role was historic in that I was the first openly transgender actor in daytime television, and you know, in this country, people kind of roll their eyes about daytime television. In Europe, people love their their daytime dramas. Honestly, here in the United States too, it's like it's like people over here are like, oh, who watches soap operas? And I'm like, mm, 33 million viewers per day globally. So I don't know, you tell me, you know what I mean, like, right? Um, but so it, it was, and I think to the the audience for The Bold and the Beautiful, we have to think about as well, right? Like, like, you know, it's a very conservative audience. And so what they did on The Bold and the Beautiful was actually so impactful, right? Even if it wasn't, you know, Orange is a New Black was really the only other thing going that had a trans character in it at the time um and you know the the wonderful everything about that show and particularly about that character that laverne cox played um you know in some ways we expect that of our streaming shows we expect that of our nighttime shows we expect that they that it will push boundaries and and be different but daytime really doesn't do that so so it was pretty um was, I think, I I still am figuring out the impact of it, but I know that it was big, Um, and yeah, it started with the production team saying, we want to do this, we think this is a really important issue, and we are open to listening, which in Hollywood has been so different, you know, if you watch the Netflix documentary Disclosure Trans Lives on Screen, you'll see you know, almost 100 years of transgender representation where cisgender people were just telling a story like they thought it should be. And that's not real, that's not what it is. And so working with that team who you know just were like we're open what can we do and I need to represent too that I didn't even have to do that work with them actually GLAD did it and there's an amazing transgender man over at GLAD named Nick Adams who has been doing this work I am not kidding for 13 years okay can you imagine being him right (laughs) he's been trying to get Hollywood to listen for 30 years and he did an amazing job with them and um Really, that was because of his work. I was able to just go on and be an actor, and they picked me because they could see that I could show up as a mentor, that I could show up as somebody who would have that conversation because that is what I do. Um, but I also happened to be an actor, which was great. Um, so, so yeah, the the importance of Trans One Hundred One, but is you know that's huge. But what's really important is when cis people are willing to listen to us and willing to take our nose and willing to make the work authentic according to us which you know is where the authenticity is right i just interviewed nick just
0: seconds before you and i connected on the podcast and uh-huh. he's in a story on forbes.com about a new alliance between glad and getty have you ever searched? Oh, yeah stock photos of trans people, and seeing all these phony actors mm, pretending right. to be trans, and it's just, it makes my skin crawl to see that right. this is what trans people yes, look like, to cisgender people. Well mm-hmm. GLAD is fixing that, and Nick is part of it, and Getty is committed to having real trans people shot by real trans photographers to represent Fantastic. us.
2: And I mean, that's the kind of work that Nick has been doing forever, and <sighs> I mean, I, so I ended up a full tr- full disclosure, um, <laughs> disclosure. <met> Nick, right? <laughs> I met Nick on the set of Bold and Beautiful and he was media training me. And he's like, you're actually really good at this already. And I was like, yeah, I know. And I, I you know, him <laughs> my resume and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, well, would you ever be interested in like doing the work that I'm doing, like training other people? And because I, you know, the thing is, celebrity does not translate into wealth. People think it does, but it actually really doesn't. You no, know? um, and there's there's so much of Hollywood where people were born into it, come with a lot of privilege, and I don't happen to be one of those people, and I also don't happen to be one of the people who, um, you know, gets all the roles that they can just like pay for their whole lives. You know, that's only like five percent of Hollywood who does that. So I was like, yeah, I need a day job, and I don't want to wait tables anymore. I've been waiting tables for like years, uh, and and so I ended up working at club for several years. Um, and i got to see the work that they do over there and it's what prepared me for working with euphoria and working on these other on these other shows that i do um you know it it the work that they do over there is so groundbreaking they're always thinking so much further ahead of the curve uh than we even are and it's like people don't even realize that that's what they're doing but that's a really great example like literally making sure that we are seen properly like <laughs> Who knew that that would be a thing? But obviously
1: it is, right? What mm. is your best memory from that season with, with B&B?
2: Oh, I have so many good memories of my time at Bold and the Beautiful. I got to be there for like a whole summer. Um, it was supposed to be like a three-episode arc, and it turned into like 16 episodes. Um, and you know, They
1: drag that drama out, don't they? <laughs>
2: Which they sure do. And that was just my part of it. Because then what was amazing was they went really deep on this story about a black family with a transgender family member. And it was like, I couldn't, my character didn't belong in that whole conversation anymore. You know what I mean? But they went on that forever, which was amazing. Like, who, who's having that conversation in prime time, even? You know what I mean? Like, it was amazing. Hey, that's um, a hard
1: conversation. Let me tell you from experience, Scott. That's a hard conversation to negotiate in real life because that scene with that scene just before Maya's wedding
0: Ugh.
1: with the, with Maya's character and her father, that was me and my oh, mom my two years mm. after that was shot.
0: Oh, wow.
2: That was I me and my mother
1: start. two years after that mm. was shot when I came out.
2: Right. You know, I have to say that scene doing that wedding I mean Obababa Oba Tunde the actor who played my yeah. father he's he's a masterclass he's just one of the most incredible and underrated can I say actors in in Hollywood in general he's he's just so amazing and he was electric like when they, I was I was standing 3 feet away from them while they were doing that scene and it was just like I you know the energy of it was was unbelievable and he really like he and i sat down before we shot that scene because he doesn't have that that in his life you know he doesn't have that experience and so he was really trying to get into the head of this character and again the listening a cis person listening to a trans person right and saying you know, what was this like for you and what did you experience? And now how do I allow that to inform how I do my work? And he won the Emmy for that, actually, that year. So there you go, right? (laughs)
0: Well, Scott, we have to stop right there just because we have to roll a break. Got to pay the bills. When we come back, we're going to ask you about the sporter in Transporter Room. What are your thoughts on transgender inclusion in sports? Plus, of course, this is the Star Trek show. So we're going to ask you a little bit about Star Trek fandom. After this break, you're in the Transporter Room. Transporter <laughs> Room
1: And we're back here at the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb, along with my co-host, the diva, Dot Ennis. And our guest on the podcast this week, Scott Turner Schofield, is with us. And yes, I'm fangirling. Deal with that. And Scott, one thing I do want to talk about, and we want to talk about after all, this is the Transporter
0: Room. So let's address the middle word first. What's your thought on trans athletes? On sports and transgender inclusion, Where do you
2: come down on this issue? Quite a controversy. I have so honestly. many thoughts. Don, I have so many thoughts. OMG. Okay, so this is the thing like when I go and do trans 101s, always somebody wants to come up and argue about how it's unfair for girls or whatever, right? Like they, it's unfair that people with boy hormones should be, you know, competing with girls. And I say, you know what's unfair? Boys and girls sports, what if we did everything by how fast you did it or how strong you were or how, you know what I mean? Like if we actually just use an actually objective, right, meet metric for how people play sports because that's how sports is done. If you're swimming, it's how fast you swim. If you're running, the same, right? Right? Okay. So if it's, if it's soccer or baseball or football, it's how good you are. It's how good your eye coordination is. It's what an asset you are to the team. It's actually bad for, let's, let's just p- put girls on the spot, okay? It's bad for girls who are really, really good at sports to be in a league that is considered, and let's be real about this, less than boys sports. So if people of any gender who happen to have the speed and the coordination and the goods Right could play at the level that they are supposed to be playing at, that would make a much more interesting game and that would be better for every athlete involved. But you'd have to change the face of sports itself because it's based on the sexist notion that girls aren't as good at sports as boys are. And I think that's bad for all girls. Yeah, I think misogyny is at the root of everything. Yeah. I would, be, I would yeah. second
1: that. As a competitive athlete, I would second that. And I also think it's, it's a deeper issue as well it's a deeper issue of how we see women in our society because why do we have to look at women's sports through a male lens why why to me it's like Mm -hmm. great athletes are great athletes michael phelps is great katie Mm -hmm. ledecky is great lebron james is Mm -hmm. great diana taurasi is great Mm -hmm. can we just enjoy it can we just enjoy the greatness right and just leave leave your then leave your gender expectations at the door Check them at the door of the arena and just enjoy the greatness.
2: Right. I mean, when I think about baseball, we have you know we have the major leagues, we have Triple A, we have Double A, right? Like you play according to your ability. Right. I was never met, and I love I love Bill Murray's thing on this too. Like he, have you heard his quote about the the Olympics? He's like. we should have one regular person compete in every Olympic sport just so right. that you understand. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how Joe Schmo swimming
0: against Michael Phelps.
2: Like, yeah. let me be clear. I would be Joe Schmo. You know what I mean? But, like, but really, you know, let's let athletes be athletes.
0: So let's go to the other part of the show's title. Scott, are you a Star Trek fan?
2: Uh, from way back. I, I, I can't profess, like, I'm not, you know, the world's biggest nerd, but as a kid, uh Star Trek the Next Generation, followed by Deep Space Nine, was my jam. Um I'm also a big Firefly fan, but that's not Star Trek.
1: Oh, love love, love <laughs> No those, no we talk all about all sci fi here. Okay. It's like yeah we, talk Star about Star about... Trek.
0: yeah we Yeah no, absolutely. And and if you could act on a Star Trek show, which part would you want to play? <sighs>
2: Oh, that's a good question. Well, so the thing was, like, I was always super into Will Wheaton's character on The Next Generation. I'm totally blanking on what that character's name was Wesley Crusher. Wesley, Wesley Crusher, Crusher. Right? I had a huge crush on Wesley Crusher and I couldn't figure it out. And now it's because I like, it wasn't that I wanted to like be with him, it was that I wanted to be him. Uh, so I think I'd want to be Re- Wesley Crusher
0: that's pretty cool it's funny that most people who love star trek the next generation were not fans of wesley crusher he had a lot of hate mail and i don't think he deserved it he just you know happened to be cast as that annoying kid and the
2: kid was Jesus, curious know interested i love that kid
0: i know
1: see i was a fan of wesley crusher as well did you because did well you? at the time we have to well the thing about wesley was i was in high school when the next generation started Yeah, I dated myself, Uh, and you know what? That's that. I looked at that show thinking, I'd want to be that kid, Trinity, to be on the flagship of the Federation, and to learn the and to learn from the inside. How cool would that be?
2: That's the
0: ultimate internship,
2: right? (laughs) Exactly.
0: I wanted to be Troy because I wanted her body, not Uh. because I was in love with it, but because I wanted it right for myself. i will
2: say i was in love with troy
0: yeah
1: yeah she was I, I will fully admit to being a tasha yar fan oh i will i will fully admit to that because i mean my two favorite characters from next generation were were tasha and Worf. because mm-hmm. Worf for wharf for uh i mean both of them because hey they're the hey they're the strong hey they were the they're the strong arm people they're the badasses <laughs> Remember, (laughs) Worf, for battle, come
0: to me. That's what it was. I wanted to be Worf's hairdresser because he went through
2: so many hairstyles. (laughs) Now you make me want to look this up because it was such a, like, (laughs) totally, uh, total full circle. Let's see. Um, There is an amazing performance art space. Um, There we go called highways and it's in santa monica and it's like one of the most important performance art spaces in the country and it was like one of my biggest boons when i got to perform there like it was you know it's like madison square garden for performance artists right so cool so Uh, Leo Garcia at the time was the uh, artistic director and we ended up getting to know each other very well and he's just like amazing. And I'm like, what was his character? Because he was on Star Trek and what allowed him to be, he's very open about this, what allowed him to like do the work that he did as an artistic director uh, was that he was he had like the, the, the way that Star Trek sets it up is like, you get like a pension and like all these amazing things. Isn't that interesting?
0: We'll have to look him up. I have to ask you a question that's related to Star Trek, but also related to your acting. Do you ever feel that being a transgender male actor on soap operas sort of pigeonholed you for those kind of roles instead of giving you opportunities?
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, You know, it it seems less about the trans part and more about the daytime part. Um, It's so interesting too, because it's like Leonardo DiCaprio started in uh, in soap operas, right, actually like a lot like George Clooney did, also like a lot of our biggest actors and actresses started in daytime dramas um, when you actually look them up, but they had to make this like really hard pivot away from it. And I see that it is actually, once you're sort of understood as a daytime actor, it's very, it's so interesting, like just the the layers of discrimination that Hollywood loves to pile on people. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Um, But at the same time, you know, I will say for, for trans actors, it's an amazing time right now because Hollywood is learning this. And I can tell you because of my consulting work, Hollywood is really learning this and they are really figuring out that like, there are people who like myself, you know, who, who blend and who you wouldn't necessarily know. And if it's not like the only pl- place where you know a character is male or female is in a kind of pornographic sex scene, uh, or if one of them is giving birth, right? So yeah, that's those is the only place, right? Yeah. So they're I, I starting will, to- I will ruin- say
0: Nicole Maines is one of my favorite trans actors right now. And she yeah. was on Supergirl last season and two seasons ago, and I expect big things from her.
2: Well, and like Chaz Bono, he's been he's been doing this for a long time. He's been really pushing. He will do a trans role here and there, but he's also been doing roles where where he's either playing cis or where it's not explicitly trans, mm-hmm. you know. And that is the way it should be. Once, and that's really what this fight is all about, too. You know, people want to say like, oh, well, you know, shouldn't we all just want to be actors? Why do you have to? you know cast trans actors and trans roles and it says it's because we haven't been cast we we don't have the opportunity to even go out for our own roles right so i think once the playing you know the playing field if i can use an athletic term once the playing field is equal and trans actors can get trans roles and be seen for roles that are cis or where we're not explicitly trans then actors can just be actors but we had to take this step first you know
1: do you think you will ever find yourself behind the camera at some point i mean i am of the belief that not only do we have to become actors fight for roles we have to create content and tell our stories our way would you ever see yourself at some point doing that oh absolutely
2: um I'm, I can't say very much about it, but Uh-oh. I'm currently <laughs> uh, an associate, I'm an associate producer on a, on a feature film right now. I'm kind of a big feature film. Um, yeah, and that, you know, that again comes from, it came out of the consulting work, but because the work that I was doing was, you know, pretty intense, they were like, you really are a kind of a producer, and this is, let's give you this, this credit. For that, which is great, um, and I, I don't know. I'm not one of those people who has. I don't have uh, designs on being a director. Like it's not something that I think I should, I have to do. But um, I've been told that I, I look at things from a directorial point of view. So maybe that'll happen in the future too. I guess we'll see.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. You build something, I want in on it. <laughs> <laughs> even even I if it's the, even if it's ready. Yeah, even I, if it's I, like cameo
2: role.
0: I no, will a like, walk on. Like, I'll
2: do walk on. Well, that's what I, you know, this is the thing. I, what I always say is, if I go up, we all go up. You know, a rising tide <laughs> raises all ships. There's all boats, and, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: I, I really, I really am a firm believer in that. And there is an extent. You know, I, I've worked with other folks in Hollywood who are marginalized in other ways, and you know, it's it's an ongoing conversation where there's a moment in your career where you first really strike it hot and People think you have power that you absolutely do not, right? Um, and then, if you're lucky, you move into the next phase of your career where you can hold the door open, where you can really bring folks through. Um, and so, I think I'm starting to get into that phase now, and um, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to being able to like spread the wealth, you know, and and as my dreams have come true for me, really help other people in their dreams coming true for them.
0: That is so you, that you are <laughs> sharing your dreams come true so that others can have theirs too. I, I just love that.
1: Yeah, well, well, you, know, you know, William Riker said it best in star Trek, the next generation, when the oh, trains the come understand? to town,
0: when the train comes
1: to town, everybody gets to ride.
0: Right. Now
1: I mentioned well, no. that because, that is the episode that Leo Garcia was in. There you go. There she you did go. her did a little digging. The Royale. Ah,
0: the Royale? Leo. Yes, Leo the Garcia episode, played the bellhop. Yeah, season one. Amazing. Yeah, good job. Good job, Carly. You can't put past Charlie. Carly. So, <laughs> uh, man, I'm, I'm appalled I'm I'm by that. I'm going to just give you this little tidbit. I think I told you this when we met in 2015, but I actually beat you into soaps. I was in Guiding Light and The Doctors in the 1970s. And that's part of my 12-year career as a child actor and model. But I will tell you that I remember how hard those actors worked. And anybody who puts down soap opera actors as soap opera actors Mm -hmm. is forgetting the craft is convincing. Their work stands up with all the other actors because they lure you in with their ability to create this atmosphere this environment that doesn't really exist i was convinced that i was in a hospital and the doctor was gonna treat me
2: <laughs> that's amazing well and that's why it's always really important to say first openly trans any. Anyway. yes like True. i've had a few experiences of you know i've been one of the first openly trans actor in daytime television i'm the first openly trans man um to be nominated for an acting emmy but that you're exactly right. Like there are always people who came before us and it's not about being the first, you know, it, the well, first is always just to remind culture that they're behind. Right. It's not great. about,
0: I like that line. That's
2: great. <laughs> right.
1: Well, Scott, actually, before we let out one oh, thing, okay. I do want to ask one that van. Yeah. Of what you're talking, uh, and of what you're talking about in terms of, because we're in many ways, we're still marking our first be it in entertainment, being in, bit, in society in general, we're still marking so many of our first. In entertainment, what do you think is still holding casting directors and content creators back from giving trans talent a shot?
2: Mm, that's a good question. Well, first I want to say I have very you know, firsthand experience with that. Actually, casting directors and content creators – are really giving this a shot. Um, So, you know, I don't want to take away from people who are actually really doing the work, because there are a lot of people and they are really doing it sincerely. I notice that when it comes to distribution, right, so you make a movie, but then how do you get it out to everybody? Distribution is the next thing. And from the community of filmmakers and creators that i'm a part of getting it to through that bottleneck seems to be the new hurdle for us uh there seems to be you know distribution people are the people who really put the money behind it right and who go like okay you know can we sell this and you know only if we can sell it will it go out into the world? And distribution is where it stops, where they say, wait, you can't have a trans, an unknown trans actor in a leading role in a movie. You have to have someone who the $32 million that we're going to put behind this project, right, uh, you know, will sell. And that's why cis actors have always been in transgender roles. That's the common argument, which is, you know, oh no, you have to have a real name. Actually, you don't. But then you think about like, Alfonso Cuarón's movie, uh, Roma, with Yalizia Aparicio, right? She's an indigenous Mexican woman, right? No one had ever heard of her. She'd never done new, another movie before. And suddenly she's like Oscar nominated for best actress. And that's because you have a filmmaker like Cuarón, who is doing his amazing work, right? And centering someone who is completely marginalized in hollywood so actually this can happen and what i'm noticing through the filmmakers that i'm friends with and and who are creating work out there is they're getting this pushback Right. That even if they make a film, even if they invest everything they have to creating trans centered work, T. Cooper is a perfect example of this. He did an amazing documentary film called, which you'll love actually, called Man Made. And it's about transgender men doing bodybuilding competitions. I saw it. And it's excellent. Oh, it's such film. a beautiful film, right? Yes, it you is. You would not believe. You would not believe. He won like 16 audience awards at film festivals and could not get distribution. Okay. That's and just bias.
0: A, That's just bias.
2: Right? It's, it's, and they're just saying, we don't know how we're going to sell this. We don't know. Well, now it's your job to figure it out. Oh, well,
1: they could we, sell I've got it. They're one Trans
2: 101 for you. Do you know what I mean? Well, with all those well, great, lo- was,
1: with all those great looking guys in there, come on. I mean, the- I mean naked boys
2: who are gorgeous, <laughs> right? <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Ex- I, mean, well, you know I mean, last year, fantastic <laughs> woman uh, won an Oscar. So there aren't exceptions, right?
2: Right, and it's starting to, but you know, it's this money game, right? Money ball. Let's let's call it that, right? Where the people, and again, the people with the most privilege are the most conservative, who are really stopping us up, and that is why trans talent, trans excellence, is not being seen in the way that it's already ready to.
0: Well, so, I've got one. Um, I've got one of the caveats, Scott, and tell me if you think this is true. It seems whenever a casting director. And again, this is somebody who has appeared in about a hundred commercials, and you know, um, I teach advertising now. It seems that casting directors are looking for someone who is obviously trans, someone who has masculine hands. If it's a trans woman or a thick jaw, and if it's a trans uh, man, it's someone who you just look at that person and say, hmm that person looks different from other men. And I'm wondering if that's their deliberate attempt to telegraph that this is trans, this is trans, this is trans, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. Film is a visual medium, right? And so they're trying to, they, you know, if, it, it, if this is their sort of thumb handed way of, of, you know, trying to make that be obvious to everybody when what they don't realize is that and it it goes all the way back i'm going to tie this all the way back around for you don to our little meme of 2016 the uh you've peed next to a trans person don't worry you are fine right they don't what they don't realize is that trans people are everywhere and there are some of us who blend and who you would never know and that that is actually actually an authentically trans experience um and look again where we have come from since 2015, the leaps and bounds we have taken, I have witnessed this personally in my work, are so far beyond. And also every piece of this, every step has to be taken. It's why the joke of my show is like 127 easy steps, because none of them are easy. And we're all sitting here sick and tired of all of the steps that we recognize would be easy for people to take. But where they are they don't yet and i'm telling you this is going to turn around not long from now it's not going to take too long but right now we are in the how, how do you look trans what looks trans enough phase and i think within at the latest 10 years at the very latest that's going to be such an old conversation you know
1: well, I'm looking forward to that day
2: But in the meantime me too We're, in the meantime,
1: <laughs> we have, we're just going to keep pushing Scott Turner Schofield Thank you for joining us this, well, Thank you uh, for having uh, me and this, uh, this is one of those special, special podcasts Well, they're all special But this one, I'll admit, for me, it's extra special Because, again, the role you played five years ago and that whole storyline five years ago and now getting the ins and outs, it makes me appreciate it even more because for myself, that was a key piece of my own process.
2: I'm I'm so honored by that, Carly. I can't even tell you. I I mean it means everything to me. And let's just remember that was just the beginning.
0: Yeah. and wait till we see what happens five years from now. Where we'll all right. be. I'm really looking forward to seeing this work that you're hinting at. I'm excited about the, the, the show and yes. the uh, special. And all I can say is you're always welcome back, Scott.
2: Yeah, this is oh, an open you invitation. You. All right, Carly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you both That's so much. the it's Hollywood just, land. <laughs> <laughs> it's Damon. it's Damon. great Damon. to be here. <laughs> <and miss> thank <laughs> you. Thank you. We're going to
1: Steady as she goes. <laughs> We're going to send going to energize the beam since Scott back down to LA. Take care everybody. Live long and prosper. <laughs>